Hi, friend. My name is Amy Joy, and this is the Make for a Beautiful podcast. I have been thinking recently about the topic of goals and how we can set a goal, and it's disappointing if we don't reach the goal. But there's some training that I've had at different times that was so helpful and profound. So there's a quote out there that I don't remember exactly, but it's sort of like, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? And that's a nice question, but that's also completely divorced from reality because (laughs) we live in the real world where failure is always a possibility. So I appreciated Megan Macedo's adjustment to that question where she asks, what is worth doing even if it fails? And this is an interesting question because it allows you to say, I would actually just be happy if I moved forward in this direction, even if the results don't come out the way I was hoping, even if I'm maybe disappointed in the outcome. So you think, oh, is it worth it for me to seek to forgive someone who harmed me, even if they don't reciprocate, even if they don't receive it, even if they're still a horrible person, is that still worth doing? Yes. And the reality is we all know that if they're a horrible person, you don't have to have an ongoing relationship with them. But it's more like, can I make it so that my heart is right towards this person if their heart is ever right towards me? And should their heart ever be right towards me? How lovely. <laughs> I have already done the hard work on, my, on myself. So that would be one example. In my case, I love studying the scriptures and finding out what the words mean and that is, it makes my heart sing when I do that. When I write those books, I will tell you, they are not large sellers. (laughs) When they hit double digits, I'm like, oh my word, we have reached 10. You know, it's like a party in the Lycosh house. And I say that on the one hand, because of course I want more people to read Philemon than the 13 that bought it, right? Like, I love the book of Philemon, and it's a beautiful book of restoration. It's a beautiful book of how reconciliation works in the kingdom. It's Paul at his finest being so clever and witty. And yet, if only 13 people buy it, I still had the pleasure of writing it. I still had the pleasure of diving deep into the language and seeing Paul's puns. And so even if there's only 13 who read it, it's like, well, I'm sad, but I'm also kind of like, whatever. (laughs) I am thankful that this work exists in the world. And, you know, I thought it was really beautiful. I was talking to my friend Michelle recently, and she was telling me about the books. Oh, what are they called? Like Jesus Calling by, I forget if her name is Sarah Young, but something like that. And it's beautiful prayers, as I understand, of like Jesus talking to us but using the words of the scripture. So kind of making them really specific. Like I have called you and chosen you, um, but then take that concept throughout the entire Bible and see how personal and beautiful that would be. I haven't read them. I think I own them somewhere. But And she said, Sarah didn't write these with the intention of having them be best-selling hits. <laughs> these were things that she brought forth in her quiet time with the Lord. And When she was older, I guess, her children found them and they were reading them and they're like, mom, these need to go to a wider audience. This 
is really powerful. Let's broadcast this and get this out into the wider world. And what Michelle was saying to me was sometimes you do something and it's not actually for you only, or it's not for your generation. It's maybe you're doing it for a future time. And and the reality is maybe that's the case and maybe they're just written in heaven. <laughs> the Lord is like, thank you for doing your best to let 13 people know about the book of Philemon. But the overall point is that goals, on the one hand, it's lovely when they succeed and we all want to high five and celebrate. But if you have a sense of internal satisfaction of like, I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing and the Lord is pleased. That is really lovely. You know, Bob loves to do these sacred assemblies where a community gathers and prays for their community, for their nation, maybe for the church, maybe um, for uh, just, anyway, the, the people in that location. And the uh, w- one of the things that fascinates me about these events is that the people who organize them are completely stepping out in faith. As I, I've been thinking about this a lot because I've been working on a manual with him about how to host a sacred assembly in your environment, in your community. And it's, it's sort of like a wedding. You know, if you invite somebody to a wedding, they they don't need to ask first, like, what's a wedding? You know, like, they know what the wedding is and the question is more, is my relationship with such or with this person such that I want to go? Is my calendar free? Is it going to be prohibitively expensive or reasonable. Um, you kind of fit the wedding into your matrix of decision-making. But for a sacred assembly, most of us, including myself, have never been to one. We don't really know what they are. And so it's like, first you have to persuade somebody that it's going to be awesome. And then they have to come. And then you have to put on the sacred assembly with excellence. And so as I watch Bob trying to encourage communities, like this is going to be worth doing. It feels like, oh, of course, if you host one and 600 people come, that's a great success. But what if you host one and only a dozen people came? Would that still be a success? (laughs) And we saw this at one point, one of the planning sessions or vision casting meetings, they had hoped for about 125, just based on the number of people they had invited is sort of like we're casting vision for the vision casting meeting and only about seven people showed up or maybe it was a dozen but two dozen even maybe but still like you think okay they had prepared food for all of these people who didn't come and the that level of disappointment and the actual event was lovely the vision casting meeting was a disappointment but you think well what if the actual event had been a disappointment like that oh what then and yet if you think about it, if you hosted a sacred assembly and a dozen people came, what did Jesus do with a dozen people? (laughs) He turned the world upside down. So there's a part of saying, oh, we get hung up on numbers as if the numbers are the thing. But I wonder sometimes if maybe what Jesus is after is the yes to the thing he's called us to, even if it's not very large. (laughs) So yeah, Jesus, I'm asking that in the ways that you've invited us to push back the darkness, that we would be encouraged to do that, whether it looks like it's a success from the world's perspective or not. And Lord, I even just thank you (laughs) 
It would be one thing if Jesus, riding the wave of his popularity, Lord, I think about how he would have these meetings and 5,000 men would come in an age before there was mass transportation, in an age before there was mass communication. Like, how did these people even get to these out-of-the-way places? The amount of desperation that they felt to be close to Jesus was massive. And yet when he died, (laughs) there was a couple of women and John (laughs) at the base of the, the cross, Lord. And then after his ascension, you know, he'd even appeared to 500 at one time, it says, and yet in the upper room praying and waiting for the Holy Spirit, there were only 120. And so, Jesus, I love that you didn't get to the end of your earthly ministry and be like, what the heck? I had 5,000 people come to a healing service. What the heck? Why are there only 120 at this prayer meeting? No, that 120 was enough for the Holy Spirit to come. That you were not worried about the numbers game because you know the end from the beginning. You see the long-term plan. And so, Lord, I'm asking that you would give us your vision of what's happening. Lord, that we would have greater clarity around the ways that our faithfulness, the ways that we partner with you, that that actually has an effect in the wider world, that that creates a ripple effect that we can't see necessarily, but it's, it's actually present. It's there. Thank you, Jesus, that you partner with us, that we get to co-labor together. We give you praise, Lord. Amen.